Let's talk about some of the stories in the news this morning. Well, how about this settlement, this $2.8 billion agreement that the federal government has come to to settle a class action lawsuit uh, dealing with B.C. residential schools? This is a big deal. So this particular lawsuit involved members of a BC Indigenous band who'd attended residential schools as day scholars. But let's break this down now. Joining us now is Rachel Ann Snow, who's an Indigenous legal advocate. Uh, Rachel Ann, thank you so much for being back with us. Good morning. Hello, Simi. Uh, I'm good. Thank you. So what, what do you think of this deal? Is this progress? I don't think very much of this deal. <laughs> and I don't think it's any it, it's progress at all. Okay, why? Well, for one thing, this... Uh, it's not just BC bands. They were, they, it was the BC bands or Godfrey'son. It was, uh, Swetnick. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. And another band in BC who were, uh, basically the forerunners or the people who put in the claim. But if you look at the list, uh, of schools, this affects, it includes, uh, day scholars from across Canada or other schools, except for New Brunswick and PEI, I think where there were, schools that were primarily Catholic schools we're talking about. Okay, so do you feel like it doesn't encompass enough people or enough circumstances? Well, this is a different claim because the day scholars of these schools were not included in the McLean settlement, which is uh, Indian residential or Indian day school claims, the federal Indian day schools, because there it, it seems to me that the federal government ran those schools so the federal government was willing to put out a payment uh, acknowledging the harms that were done to students. But in this claim, if you look look at it, it wasn't included in the, the federal day school action uh, because it was under, I guess, uh, other organizations. What That's what the, my, research, my research showed me. It was Catholic entities and whatnot. So that tells me that they somehow got out of the big claim or the main claim and it's very watered down, this claim, including the fact that once they once once people um, sign off for this, they can only do like uh, specific harms and no sexual abuse. So you feel it's too limited then? Yeah, it's a limited claim. And even on this, uh, the claim that they're even uh, the one that they finally settled for the two point eight billion, which is looks to me like it's over 20 years. So when you break that down, it's not a huge amount, again, for cumulative or collective claims that, that a community would make on losing their language, their culture, and uh, whatever, whatever that collective harm is. Right. So this is a very, it sounds like it's very broad. Well, it's, uh, it sounds like it's very broad because then it has less impact, right? Because Canada was disingenuous in this as well. They kept up challenging this claim. They did procedural things uh, in the court system. They would not uh, agree to fund these day scholars. It was quite a lot for the day scholars. And I think at this point, uh, after they found the, uh, uh, the, the graves at Kamloops, that uh, there was a heightened um, responsibility for Canada to do some kind of action. So this was their response. All right, so then what would you like to see happen here, Rachel Ann? Like, how can this be improved? Well, for one thing, I don't like the idea that it's $2.8 billion. I think it should be, I think Canada should sum up exactly what the amount would be per year 
and talk about how many students are affected because it, it doesn't sound like, um, to me, it sounds like $2.8 billion is going directly to survivors. It, it seems like that's the message. That's not the message. This was specific on uh, the cumulative and collective harms for culture and loss of language. So that can never be replaced, and that is um, more systemic. Uh, there's a number of factors that would play into this, and Canada is not, again, properly rec- re, uh, reporting, and they are also not saying why these day scholars were not included in the Indian uh, day school, federal day school, um, where there was harms and uh, automatic CEP, common experience payment, right. similar to the residential schools. It's it's just different. So, And it seems very uh, like it's a slap on the wrist. And they were mostly, mostly Catholic schools. What about access to this then, Rachel? And like, is there enough? Will people know about it? The people who should be getting some of this money? I always wonder about that. Like, how will they find out about this? Well, for one thing, it's not a whole lot of money if you break it down to cumulative claims or collective harms for communities. It can be, you know, maybe if it comes down to like a million a year um, for First Nations who were affected by this, and then you divide that by the number of schools or communities affected, divide that by the number of people in a community. Like uh, for some of the claims, let's say uh, St. Paul or St. Mary's in Blood Tribe, which is southern Alberta, they have 15,000 band members on that reserve. How are you going to do a cumulative claim or a cumulative uh, program for that amount of people that is actually going to have um, some kind of, um, that is actually going to have some kind of force? And so it's not a lot to talk about to even say, you know, well, they're getting some money. Uh, no, they're, they're actually not getting very much recognition and it's being presented as, they're getting something, but in fact, they really are, they're getting nothing. Well, who has to decide all that then now? So, like, what happens at this point? Well, at this point, you know, it is the federal, the federal government uh, does stand in trust for First Nations. But it seems like it was a special claims person under the Ministry of Indian Affairs, as well as um, the litigants and their, their lawyers, who decided probably, you know, this in the long run, this was the best the best way forward for people now, survivors, to get some kind of compensation. So to me, it's very sad because, and there have been people even who made the claim who have passed away and will not see, maybe their descendants can make a claim. But it's just so, again, it's, uh, it's miscommunication on the part of the Canadian government to release this information that they're willing to do this. When, uh, like a school like St. Anne's, where there was, possibly, you know, the electric chair use. It says in this claim, if you take this money or these cumulative claims, you can't sue for anything else. So it, in fact, shuts out that argument that they've been trying to make in a separate Canadian court system. Okay. And we still need more details on this, too, don't we? Because they said more terms of the settlement are going to be released next month. Yeah. So, again, it's just whittling it down, making it very sectoral and specific. So that by the time it finally reaches the actual survivors, I doubt that it will be very much funding. And more importantly, the federal government will write the parameters of what is allowable for a community to um, heal itself. So how is that in any way Indigenous-owned or Indigenous-driven? 
Rachel Ann, thank you so much for explaining it to us this morning. We appreciate your time. Okay, thank you. Good morning, or have a good morning. You too. That is Rachel Ann Snow, Indigenous legal advocate. We can always trust her to give us kind of really straight talk on these issues because you saw the press release, you heard in the news, federal government has come to a $2.8 billion agreement to settle a class action lawsuit with members of a BC Indigenous band who attended residential schools as day scholars. But as Rachel Ann breaks it down for us, uh, the, it's all in the details there of which there doesn't seem to be very much right now. Uh, so we'll be hearing more about that.